A Tricky Kid Media original presentation distributed by iHeartRadio. All right, you sinners, swing! Welcome to an exciting addition to the Tricky Kid Radio Podcast Network, hosted by filmmaker and DJ Roy Turner. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Sinner Swing, the Van Halen podcast. It's been a while since we've been able to do an episode. I tend to do Sinner Swing as kind of like my my CBS special. And if you grew up a Van Halen fan in the 80s, of course, you remember that spinning CBS special presentation. So this isn't a weekly podcast or even a monthly podcast. I, I wish it was, and I would love to talk about Van Halen or even daily. I would love to talk about Van Halen every day, all day, every week, every month, every year. But how it tends to be is I have my main show that's kind of about like hard rock and heavy metal kind of stuff, of course, which is called This Is Metal. And But Van Halen is special, man. You know, and they're not quite metal. They're not quite, you know, they're Van Halen. And there's so much stuff going on with them <laughs> like they haven't, they haven't played a show in eight years and i think that they're they're in the headlines more right now for unfortunately for reasons that are not about really about music anyway i digress but this is going to be a, a big year so anyway so I, what i do is is i do this thing where like i try to do just like specials i also have it to do to extend to things that branch out beyond Van Halen like it's kind of like you know anything involved with David Lee Roth's solo career is going to be of course on this show and you know if I were to eventually probably will you know interview Wolfgang Van Halen at some point with his new band Mammoth WVH it will probably it would be on this show it wouldn't be on This Is Metal or the main show Tricky Kid Radio or anything else it would be on this this here show now as you know we do not consider <laughs> i know it's awful but there, there we don't really include sammy hagar and the canon even though i do love the 5150 album but uh, i yes i am a david lee roth guy and i could talk for 20 minutes right now about everything that's going on right now all the bickering back and forth and i just can't believe it's been going on for so long and it's just like old men arguing about shit that's from the past I might save that for another time because I just wanted to tell you a few things that's going to be happening is is that this, of course, is the 40th anniversary of 1984. They're probably their most com- commercially successful record, uh, a double diamond record, one of the one of the only records to sell that many copies. And it's also kind of you know when I first got turned on to them. So we're definitely are going to be doing a 40th anniversary of 1984 with some surprises and some special guests this year. But what today is about is you have seen my, I've been very, very fortunate. I've been doing my my first concert series where I interview somebody and I tell them, they, they tell me about their first concert. And I think that's kind of cool. And then I tell them, you know, I don't really tell them about mine except for these certain gentlemen because they were my first concert. So I got to do it with Steve I and then with Greg Bissonette. And now, and I wish I could have done it with Brett Tuggle, keyboardist who we lost last year. And I really, really wanted to do a like a tribute special about Brett Tuggle. Brett Tuggle, of course, was the keyboardist for David Lee Roth on the Eat em and Smile Tour and many, many, many others. But Billy Sheehan was only on that first one. So it's very, very special. They were, you know, presented as a four-piece. David Lee Roth, of course, again, with Steve Vai, Billy Sheehan, and Greg Bissonette. But Brett Tuggle, if you talk to those guys, will will we'll tell you he was just as much of an integral part of that, of that whole dynamic. Why he was left out in terms of 
publicity or just even like an official member in the public eye, that, that I don't know. But he's no less deserving of a tribute, and I hope to get to it sooner than later and would very much love to have some of these guys join me to talk about Brett Tuggle. I know they would be, they would not hesitate. So anyway, it's been a while, but so to round it out, man, Billy Sheehan uh, is in, on tour with a reunited Mr. Big. And he and I have been trying to get together for in a different capacity in the same way how I met Greg was because of me making this King's X movie, which I am happy to tell you on March 25th, we will have picture lock. I don't care what anybody says or what you've heard before or no empty promises. March 25th. That doesn't mean you're going to get to see it on March 25th. I'm just telling you that I will be done with this film in terms of tweaking it and twittering it and whatever the fuck. Meaning that now, after that, is now, okay, who wants to buy it? Who wants to showcase it? What platform will it be on? Okay, and I have it to you sometime this year. Okay, so anyway, so me and Billy have been trying to get together to have him in the film because he's the world's biggest King's X fan. And, and so it finally presented itself with this Mr. Big opportunity. And what was cool is that they had like three days off and between shows and so instead of leaving the dallas fort worth area there's this great place up the road here i'm i'm in north dallas in a town called frisco and next to us is mckinney and if you haven't uh seen it or heard it you should definitely check it out there's a place called the guitar sanctuary uh, run by brian meter and his son dallas fantastic people an unbelievable great space and place and this is also where we interviewed eddie trunk last year for the king's x project and eddie when he comes to town because the guitar sanctuary is essentially a guitar store uh but next to it has a like a banquet hall they you know they rent out for you know weddings and that kind of thing but they do shows there greg greg bissonette's band i it didn't kill me like the the, the three red Musketeers, I forget what it's called, but their band played there. And then Eddie did his little one-man show thing. And then now Billy was coming to do a bass clinic. And Brian was so kind enough to let us also shoot there. But this time we actually got to shoot it in the store because I was concerned that it was going to look too similar to Eddie's interview and, and just what a great thing with all the guitars in the back and everything. And what was cool, though, too, was that I was – it was super cold. It was January, and it, which is – but still just an, an unusually cold here, which caused the store to be closed, which then in turn allowed us to be able to shoot in it. So, you know, a little, uh, a, a fortunate series of events, I guess I should say. So anyway, so while I was interviewing Billy on camera for the King's X film, of course, I wanted to, to take advantage of us being together and do a My First Concert series. So without... Any further ado, again, I hope you'll look forward to. I said, you know, what's coming this year. We got a lot of great Van Halen stuff, and I'll, I'll, I'll dish some dirt when we get to the actual Van Halen thing. But so anyway, so this is Billy Sheen and I at the Guitar Sanctuary in January 2024, and he's talking about his first concert. And of course, I get to, to tell him, you know, from a fan's experience of how much that fateful night in August of 1986 and the Barton Coliseum in Little Rock, Arkansas, and how much it meant to me, and without exaggeration, put me on this trajectory that I'm still on today. What a big deal for me, just being a 12-year-old a kid in the middle of nowhere, Arkansas, poor as church mice, getting to go to, to see, you know, I was 
I just gotten turned on to Van Halen around the eight, 1984 era and then kind of lived through that whole split with Sammy Hagar and here David Lee Roth rebounds when put together arguably the greatest band of all time. I mean, he doesn't get any better than if he does, you know, than Eddie Van Halen. But if next in line would be Steve Vai and Billy Sheehan and Greg, a master, it does not get any better than that. So once again, the legendary Billy Sheehan. Uh, Billy, thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. You guys were my first concert. Tell me about your first concert. My first actual rock concert was Jimi Hendrix. Soft Machine opened up. And I had my little Kodak Instamatic camera. I jumped out of my, we were sitting on the side seats, the Buffalo War Memorial Auditorium. And I ran out, there he was. Snapped every photo I could. I sent the film to get it developed. They sent me a letter of apology that they ruined the film and a coupon for a free roll of film. So that sucked. But that show is in the archives, original lineup too. And there are photos of that particular show. So I've since found them online. He came out and started out with fire. And he's standing kind of almost right on the microphone stand. And we're thinking all these things we heard of seeing Hendrix live, singing the verses and not doing much. We're thinking, Jimmy, what's going on? What's wrong? The place sold out, amazing. We were watching this incredible thing. And then he came to move over, over, let Jimmy take over. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, and he jumped back on it. The whole place. <laughs> we went out of our mind. He was baiting us. By the time he got to the solo, he just let it all out. And we went nuts. And the world was a different place the next day. Going to school, things looked different, things sounded different. And I must have played his first two records a thousand times each. Then Band of Gypsies record came out. I love that record. That was a total Hendrix fanatic. But you mentioned YouTube. I really had hoped y'all would have recorded one night of the Eat em and Smile tour. You got to see pictures later of, the, of that show you sold Hendrix, right? Yeah, yeah. That night in Little Rock in 86 lived in my brain without <laughs> any visuals until I was in my, in my it 30s. Happens, it happens with everyone, I think. You see that one show and get touched by it. I was 12 years old. The old Barton Coliseum there in, in, in Little Rock way back in the day. What do you think of, was, of that it, tour? It was mostly positive. It wasn't until after things that took a left turn. Initially, Steve Stevens was going to be the guitarist. Busy with Billy Idol and that was his gig and he kind of wanted to stay where he was. But I was on the same label at Relativity Records. Steve and I communicated with him a little bit about possibly doing something together. So I met him out one night. Well, I was sworn to secrecy as soon as I got out to LA. I couldn't tell anybody anything about what was about to happen. I saw Steve out and about in LA and people wondered, what are you doing here? Why aren't you back home? Couldn't tell anybody anything. Steve coming down to Dave's and Dave instantly loved him and we played together, it was great. At the time we had a different drummer with us, but Dave, for some reason, wanted a different drummer. So Steve and I went out and recruited drummers. We had about 50 drummers come into SIR, Studio and Instrument Reynolds, and audition them all. Actually, Roxy Petrucci, the drummer from Vixen, was hanging around with us at the time. And me and Steve looked at each other like, this girl could do it. And when we told Dave about it, he thought about it for a minute, he goes, maybe we better not. When Greg Bissonette walked in, we knew he was the guy before he even played. Why? Good question and intangible. But right away, well, after we started going through a few guys, the first complaint about anything, we kind of already scratched them off the list, even though we let them play. Oh, traffic was terrible. These aren't my drums. A way of carrying yourself. We want somebody that's up and at them and positive. 
and gracious, Steve said, give me like a seven and I'll do a five. And then Scrape, of course, nailed it. And he knew every Beatles song there was. And we brought him down to Dave. Dave loved him instantly. He knew all the songs of first rehearsal. We gave him a tape. And he wrote out everything. So he sat down the first time and he knew everything we were working on already. He was just a grand master. And when I describe Greg, when I describe people of good character, I say they're almost Greg Bissonette class. This is my watermark of incredibly kind-hearted, wonderful, beautiful, honest, talented people. This is Greg Bissonette class. It's so funny that you say that because we say that they all can't be Greg. <laughs> because he was the high oh, water he mark. Is just a he, he gave us the greatest interview, and he was such the sweetest, nicest oh, guy. He's, and, he's a great. and we've stayed in touch since. I mean, I, I consider him to be a friend of mine. He's like family to us now. All right, we'll take a quick little break here, and you know, I'm going to play some music for you. I cannot resist having any excuse to play the Spanish version. <laughs> of Edom and Smile called Sonrisa Salve, which means wild smile in Spanish languages. It was actually Billy's idea to do this. I have no idea how I did not know that my first concert, one of the most important records of, of my life, easily top five of how much it means to me. I had no idea that there was a Spanish version of it until Golly, it came out in 86. I probably didn't know this until, like, seriously, without, without exaggeration, maybe 2010. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I, I haven't, maybe even maybe even after that. And speaking of King's X, a little a person that kind of orbits that circle is, is a, a guy named Wally Farkas, who was in the Galactic Cowboys, and he has a legendary record collection. And because and, it's not easy to find that that record, the, the Spanish one. And he has super, like, like, three or four copies i've been trying to get one from him but anyway so i thought it would since it was billy's idea and it gives me an opportunity to play like what else would i say hey let's play the spanish version of uh, of that i'm going to do and since billy is from buffalo new york uh i'm going to do the spanish version of that and let's see here noche de ronda en de la ciudad and we'll be right back with more with billy sheehan and on Center Swing, the Van Halen podcast. Libertad 
Hai sensazione déjà vu Estoy seguro que te he visto antes No crees tú que nunca me has visto a mí Debe haber sido otras dos personas Steve out of that mix either. Well, you mean the Zappa fan and all that? Yeah. yeah. So we Zappa, Hendrix, Bowie. That was our uh, big three points of reality that we had between us. We're like brothers, along with Brett Tuggle. Sadly, we lost Brett Tuggle, yeah. the keyboard player. I have to also give it to Dave because he was great to us. It changed after Edom and Smile. There were elements around Dave that were negative and could have influenced that, but he was great. Steve and I and Greg got famous because of Dave. I never forget that. He was generous to us. Steve and Billy, go out there and do your solo thing. It was his idea to do the battle. Initially, I'd do mine, Steve would do his, and a couple shows on the tour, Dave was like, eh, it's not doing it for me. You should make it like a giant tractor pull or a battle. Steve, you go out and start, Billy come behind and push him aside, and you do your thing, and then he pushes you, and they just chase each other. And it was great. Dave is the grandmaster, a positive influence at that time, and I will be forever indebted to him, and to Steve, and to Greg, and Brett. This lasted many years as well in our friendship, for sure. That's so awesome, man. I've been holding out, hoping that somehow the Eat em and Smile lineup would get together just to do maybe just one show, maybe one tour, mm -hmm. right? And there was one night where it was going to happen. I give Doug shit because Doug was backstage with you guys. Yeah. And I guess he kind of let the cat out of the bag. Uh, at least that's what I tell him because he took a picture of y'all backstage or something. Yeah. It was probably at, way after the fact, but I kid him. You're the reason why Edom and Smile Tour didn't happen <laughs> because everybody flooded the bowling alley where y'all yeah. were. Well, all the that. picture happened after the fact. Sure, already, but I, I give him shit. The show was already canceled yeah. because the fire department showed up and they said, and the, it was the venue's fault really because the place, the fire department let there be five, maybe 600 in there. If they, if, if they were generous, and there was about 1,200 people, nobody could even drink because you couldn't get your arm up, you couldn't get your beer up because people were jamming. It actually, in fact, was dangerous. If something would have happened, that would have yeah. been a catastrophe. And after that night, backstage, hanging with Dave, all of us standing in a circle like we did back in the Eat Him and Smile day, telling a story, Dave, Brett, Greg, Steve, myself, and there's a photo of us all together at that point. And telling stories, and Dave was at that point was totally into it. Yeah, let's do it. Let's get some rehearsals going, and do Eat Him and Smile again. I don't know what happened. Changed his mind and decided that it wasn't something he wanted to do. But but at that point, we were thinking, well, oh, this is going to be amazing. How how great! And y'all have since have not revisited the idea 
of Eat 'em and Smile. It kind of showed up a little bit once, but that fell apart quickly. I saw yeah. it. It's up to Dave. Once again, I want to thank the legendary Billy Sheehan all these years later for them to have a reason to want to talk to me is just so gratifying and rewarding and I'm so grateful. And once again, thanks to Brian Meter and the Guitar Sanctuary for letting us have the space to do it. And so much more coming up, the 1984 special, so much more. Make sure you're subscribing and following and I'll see you very, very soon. We'll see you next week. This has been a presentation of Tricky Kid Media Originals, distributed by iHeartRadio, created and directed by Roy Turner, edited and mastered by Marcus Miller, Theme music by The Buck Pets. Original score by Jocelyn Hunt. Artwork by Antora Sandy. Marketing and PR by Francesca Miles. Tricky Kid Radio is distributed by iHeartRadio and is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the Google Play Store. Subscribe for free on the iHeartRadio app or on your favorite podcast platform. Subscribe to Tricky Kid TV on YouTube.com for a stunning visual look at all the fun we have here. Plus, exclusive content, short films, and more. Follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle, at TrickyKid2. Type TrickyKid Radio Podcast on Facebook and DJ TrickyKid on Instagram. Speaking of which, subscribe now to Roy Turner's alter ego DJ Tricky Kid's amazing Twitch channel at twitch.tv for retro gaming, exclusive DJ sets, as well as DJ instruction and live streaming of Tricky Kid Radio, where you, the audience, can participate and interact with our guests. Don't miss a single screen so you can be up to date on the latest on all things Tricky Kid. Subscribe now at twitch.tv slash DJ Tricky Kid. Tricky Kid Radio is hosted by Roy Turner with introductions by me, Dana French. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next week.